It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, February... uh... June 21st, 2012. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. We're ready to go, and we're ready for your comments at 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. The chat room is open to the right of your viewing window if you're watching us live on the program as well. My name is Jacob Gwynn, and if you're watching us tonight, you can tell that my father, Greg Gwynn, is not here tonight. We've got two uh, loyal helpers here, at, uh, typical helpers uh, on the program, Anthony Petrachko is immediately to my right. Anthony, welcome to the program. Thanks, glad to be here. And uh, Monty Overton is uh, to his right. Monty, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this uh, roundtable discussion with you guys and uh, looking forward to the discussion tonight. We have uh, a guest operator behind the board uh, tonight joining us from Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, Dan Westfall is here. We're glad that he is here as well. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567. Toll free, 877-381-4567. Before we begin the program tonight, I need to let you know that uh, if you did not attend our meetings in the park earlier this week with Scott Smelser from Pennsylvania, you certainly missed out. Uh, you guys, what was your uh, your take of the, the, the services that we had? I, it was really an honor to be able to sit there and listen to a man that had been so successful in raising his children and learning from him what godly principles he used right. to help us do that. It's not just that he was so incredibly wise, even though I believe he was a very wise person, but that he was able to apply scriptural principles to help us to know how to raise our children and influence our grandchildren. It wasn't, it wasn't human wisdom. that was No, presented. it wasn't his wisdom. It was God's gotcha. wisdom, and he was just gifted and, and applying that and, and explaining it to us. Am I, Anthony, your thoughts? Yeah, it was a wonderful time, and, you know, the, the venue was great. Uh, we were outdoors and uh, communing with nature in a way, uh, in God's creation and, and studying the Bible, and it was it was a really good time, and uh, definitely some great wisdom uh, along the lines of parenting. Some stuff I wish I had known uh, 13 years ago and <laughs> 14. Well, but it's years not ago. too late. No, it's not. It's good stuff. All right. Well, if you missed it, we have good news for you tonight. We're going to podcast both of those uh, lessons that were presented Monday and Tuesday night. So if you're not subscribed to our podcast, it'd be an excellent excuse for you to do that. Find out more about our podcast from our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Go to the homepage, and uh, there will be a link to the uh, podcast feed. And we'll podcast both of those uh, tonight, and so they should be available here within about an hour. And you can uh, download both of those lessons and listen to them. Monty and Anthony, I think you would both agree that we, that everyone should be encouraged to listen to those those programs. Yes, those were excellent lessons. Now, I don't have. let's say I don't have kids, or let's say that my kids are grown. Should I listen to the lessons? Any well, value in those? Monty, you, my you children are, are grown. They're okay. both grown and married and out of the house. Uh, but I still think it can the information we learn from these last two days can help us to help me in my interaction with them, maybe to continue guiding them in, in whatever way they may need guidance. And also I have grandchildren, so it's okay. going to help me with my grandchildren. And as he mentioned in one of the lessons, the Bible talks about the older women teaching the younger women. Well, I think that equally applies for older men teaching younger men. And so when people maybe that are younger than me and their children are little, if they come up and ask me questions, this will benefit me and been able to help them in raising their children. All right. Check out our podcast. The feed uh, link is on our homepage, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. Subscribe to the Sermon Podcast, and you'll get that as part of uh, the feed that will be going on later on tonight. So we look forward uh, to you listening to that. If you've got any questions or comments about the things you heard on that, uh, be sure to contact us at any time. Well, guys, looking forward to an interesting discussion tonight. You know, Anthony, you and I were talking last night about the fact, it seems like every time you look at the news almost, uh, you hear, see stories about how church attendance and church membership is in decline. It seems to be an epidemic around uh, our, na- our country, our nation, even probably the world. And it's not a new trend. I think this trend has been going on for many decades that uh, church attendance seems to be in decline. Right. I know we were talking, and I think there's been a couple of just locally here, there's been a few 
stories in some local newspapers and things about uh, church attendance declining. I think we've heard about the Southern Baptist and even uh, the, the, quote, Church of Christ. Uh, I believe it was mentioned as having declining membership. But, you know, I think just overall, I think we see that people seem to be less and less interested in spiritual things. And I think we'll talk a little bit about uh, tonight about why that might be. Now, Monty, uh, just in just in personal observation, I mean, you, the, as you survey the uh, the scene in the America Day, you, you don't just see churches popping up everywhere and overflowing, and you know, you you send, tend to see churches in decline just from what you can observe yourself. Well, that's true, and I believe as we go through the lesson tonight, we'll discuss a lot of reasons for that. But I think one thing is there's so many things that people want to do today that they just they're so focused on the here and now and not the hereafter that they think maybe they'll get to that later sometime but right now they want to go do what they want to do all right that leads us into our first uh, topic that we want to talk about earlier today we sent out to our update list four questions for you to consider many have already responded with their answers and there's plenty of time for you to respond with yours as well first question we ask is why do you think church membership is in decline maybe you disagree that it's not if you don't think it's in decline let us know why but why do you think church membership overall as a trend is in in the decline number two is the church still relevant in our modern world or have the changes in our society caused the church to be less important that's that's an argument that we hear well it's just no longer relevant it's not important anymore technology or whatever has replaced the need for the church we'll talk about that is the church still relevant number three what are some erroneous ways that some have tried to promote church growth and that's 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 a a popular thing that people are looking at what can we do how can we get people to to uh, be active in the church what are some erroneous ways people have tried to promote church growth and number four and this probably is the pivotal point of our discussion tonight We'll talk at the end of the program. What can we do personally and collectively to promote church growth? Because I think Monty and, and Anthony, anyone who's involved in, with a, a church wants that church to grow. Uh, I, I don't know anyone who would say, oh, I want the church to, to, I want it to fall apart. I want it to disband. Right, absolutely. I, I think, you know, everyone, you know, we want to, as many folks go into heaven as, as possible, and so it's incumbent upon us to, Trying to make that happen. All right. We'll look forward to your participation in our topic tonight. Uh, the chat room is open to the right of your viewing window, and if you're in the chat room tonight and lo- logged in, it's very easy to do. Follow the instructions at the bottom of the chat window to join in there. And the line is toll-free and open now at 877-381-4567. First question, why do you think church membership is in decline? Well, you mentioned, Amani, that there are a lot of distractions in our world that would take us away from that uh, Bob in Indianapolis, Indiana, as well as our guest driver of the board tonight, uh, says anything requiring self-discipline or personal restraint is not popular in today's culture, and that's true for most who would call themselves believers. What a, what about the unbelievers? That's true. Self-discipline, self-control, self-restraint, not a popular concept. We can see that as we look around our society, uh, that uh, overwhelming debt, uh, unhealthy lifestyles, um, substance abuse and other addictions, self-control and self-restraint is not a popular topic. Mike. I think we could throw in there with that personal responsibility would kind of go along with those things you're just talking about, because so many people today don't want to be responsible for their own actions or anything else, and whatever doesn't go well, they want to blame it on somebody else. You know, if I'm not making a million dollars tomorrow, that's bound to be somebody else's fault, yeah. and, and somebody else needs yeah. to be taking care of me rather than personal responsibility of doing this being responsible for my own life and my actions. All right. Doing something that uh, may be unpleasant uh, at times uh, and uh, for a future reward. Uh, we want instant gratification, Anthony. Right. And, 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 you know, and that goes in hand with sort of our instant society. We have text. We have instant messaging. We have chat. We have all this stuff uh, that obviously can be used to good ends, but it, we've kind of become a, an instant gratification type of society and we don't, you know, we have that expectation of the, the quick hit. You know. And we're a selfish society. Uh, not too long ago, we had a, uh, someone at, at our house, we were doing, having some work done, and uh, this man uh, had began telling me about his long list of crimes and jail time and, uh, and drug problems, etc. Uh, he was having some health problems. And he told me, he said, you know, I think I need to get into a church. And maybe if I started serving God, he'd take some of this stuff off of me. He wasn't interested in serving God just to serve God. He was interested, well, maybe if I serve God and clean up a little bit, maybe 
He'll help me out with something. Yeah. So, so his selfish attitude all his life of doing what I want to do, no matter yeah. what the consequences, right. got him to where he was. Yeah. And now it's, well, maybe if I'll serve God a little bit, he'll take some of this off of me, I'll feel better, and I can go back to doing what I want That's to right. do. Yeah, it's, it's a very selfish approach. And it's, a, and it's an approach that we all can have if we're not careful. We need to be aware of that. Uh, Bill in New Brunfels, Texas, says... The nature, character, attributes of God has not changed since day one. The nation is no longer a God-fearing one. We do not uh, know our Bibles. The Bible Belt has centered or focused on the love of God without preaching obedience. We are self-centered and worldly. We are not preaching the Word of God boldly and have weakened its message so that everyone is content in the state they are in, not knowing of the verse or scripture that says, Narrow is the gate to eternal life, and few that fi- be there, there be that find it. But brought is the way to destruction uh, when abortion, homosexuality, adultery, divorce, and remarriage is condoned by the masses or those who say they are Christians, then the location of our tent is not t- too far away from the city limits of Sodom and Gomorrah. The only thing that is going to turn the country back to God is a concern for its lost, and, and a concern for the lost is a major catastrophe. God did this many times during the Old Testament to get the people's attention to bring them back to Him. He did. But it wasn't always successful, and it wasn't always long-lived. And I think that we had a little taste of that back in September of uh, uh, 2001. There was a, a short uh, attention paid to God, but it was very short-lived. And uh, as soon as things, uh, the memories began to fade, so did the interest in God and his will. It right. seems like as that interest faded, people went back for their worldliness, not just eased back into it, but they went back to it with a vengeance. That's right. That's right. And uh, and Bill t- touches on something that we may touch on as we go along. I think the church is in decline, um, Anthony, because it's hard to tell the difference between the church and the world. Exactly. And uh, you know, the other one of the respondents mentioned, you know, how even in the Bible Belt, the love, this lovey, touchy, feely message took precedence over obedience. And all that equates to is sort of the secularization and the watering down of, of the actual Bible message. And the more you water that down and make it secularized, then you are blurring the line between the church and the world. And so there's no appeal. Right. I mean, that, that those people are just like me. I need something else because they obviously don't have it. Right. They're obviously not any different than me. So why should I want to be a part of them? You know, the problem is they're giving people what they want instead of what they need. That's right. And that's right. And, uh, and you know, well, we'll talk about that later, the, the whole idea of watering down the, the, the message. We'll talk about that. David uh, says, I've heard from young people that the church services are boring, and in this culture it makes it doubly harder. Uh, even the way the Lord's Supper is presented there uh, is just no life or enthusiasm. It's just a ritual. Plus, you have to battle the mega churches with their music and entertainment. This is not the 1950s any longer when the churches of Christ had their major growth. Well, is, are the church services boring? Uh, it's not for me. I think a lot of that has to do with your attitude. If this is something you're interested in and then focusing your mind on and, and and wanting to do, then it won't be boring to you. But if you're maybe being forced to or I'm only here to make somebody else happy, then, yeah, I'm probably bored out of my mind. And a lot of it may be to do have to do with people that aren't really taught what this is all about to begin with, so it doesn't have any meaning for them. So it probably is boring. You know, you know, Monty, you like to hunt, and uh, you could go out in the woods and sit there all day waiting for something to come along. But uh, someone who doesn't like to hunt would find that extremely boring. Your wife would probably find that extremely boring. She has. <laughs> <laughs> Past tense. Huh? Yeah. Uh, but it's a matter of where your heart is and what your, what your interest is. And uh, I think the same is true. Uh, for us in religious services as well. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Guest to 327 in the chat room says, A dangerous trend in the church is to allow the standards of the world to gradually creep into the Lord's church. That is why John warns us not to love the world nor the things of the world. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. If we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. We've got to be different, and, uh, and that is very clear. And uh, perhaps, and probably likely so, the church... Uh, church attendance, church membership is in decline because church members are not letting their light shine and uh, not showing a difference from the world because we're too afraid and too ashamed to stand out. Sharon says it is a matter of loving God and wanting to please him rather than pleasing self, and it certainly is. We're going to take a break, and uh, during the break, it'll give you an excellent opportunity to get your thoughts together and be ready to join in the discussion on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. 
Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. To have God in our life doesn't mean sailing on a boat with no storms. It means having a boat that no storm can sink. Too many Christians would be pleased if the Lord did not inquire into their personal affairs too closely. They want Him to save them, to keep them happy, and to take them off to heaven at last, but not to be too inquisitive about their conduct day by day. Better to love God and die unknown than to love the world and be famous. Better to be content with poverty than to die a slave to wealth. Man, I wish I'd said that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The Virtual Bible Study continues. And we welcome you back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight as we talk about church attendance, church membership, and note the trend that it seems to be in decline, and it has seemed that way for several decades why is uh, church membership and church attendance in decline? Why is the church not growing? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And the chat room is open as well, but uh, at least one member, that is, or one uh, uh, participant that is usually in the chat room is not there tonight. He's to the right of uh, me tonight. Anthony Petrochko is here. And, uh, Anthony, you're normally Anthony P. in the chat yeah, that's room. That's right. That's right. Uh, but you moved to the head of the class tonight. I know. I get a front row seat. So uh, and No typing. You just talk. No typing. And then somebody can be happy for somebody to take my spot in the chat room well, there. Well, they're, so. they're trying to do that. Yeah. Guest 482 says it's kind of weird in visiting a congregation. Uh, there were only 50 there. And there, uh, there were only 50 where there were 120 there on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that that touches on a, a very sad fact. I think we see what what I've sort of heard called, and I think it's a accurate term, sort of the part time Christian syndrome, where, you know, I, I show up on the bare minimum. I, if I'm there on Sunday morning, I feel like I've done what I need to do, and so I don't come to any other services. And it's very sad to see a congregation where the number on, say, a Sunday night or Wednesday night is half of what was there on a Sunday morning. And there could be legitimate reasons for that, work schedules or something, but generally it's uh, an unfortunate apathy. sign of apathy. Yeah, 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 Monty, I think that is one reason why the church is not growing is because its members aren't committed. You know, for instance, let, let's say that someone does decide to visit on a Sunday night or a Wednesday, which is probably when a lot of people, if they've got any religious affiliation, that's when they're going to attend is on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night when maybe where, where they would normally worship is not uh, meeting. They show up and there's nobody there, or there's very few people there. You know, they're not, they're not going to be there. You know, the, the, their attitude would most, would most likely be, or their feeling would be, uh, if the people that are supposed to be here, I mean, they can look on the board and see what the Sunday morning attendance was, and when they see that there's significantly less people than that, well, obviously these people ain't all that interested in what they're doing here, or more of them would have come back. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, say I'm looking to get involved in any kind of secular group, or any, you know, maybe I'm looking for a job, and I go someplace, and the employees are they're all moping around. They're not, they're not. Half of them are laying out and not there. It just doesn't look like a place where people are excited. I don't want to work there, Anthony. Absolutely right. Or, or you know, you feel like you're you're trying to board a sinking ship. You yeah. know, <laughs> you, you, want, you don't want to be anywhere yeah. around that. Yeah. No, but it, it must be so. This congregation must be so uh, fervent that uh, nobody even wants to come. I think. Yeah. Sign me up for that. They're so on fire for the Lord yeah. that ice wouldn't melt on them. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's where I want to be. Uh, uh, Stephen uh, sends in his comments. In a book recommended by Brother David Arnold, Already Gone, Why Your Kid Will Quit Church and What You Can Do to Stop It, denominationalist Ken Ham discussed a Barner Group statistic that 60% of those raised in an evangelical church have left. 
The top ten reasons were boring service, legalism, hypocrisy of leaders, too political, self-righteous people, distance from home, not relevant to personal growth, God would not condemn to hell, Bible not relevant, not practical, and couldn't find preferred denomination in the area. Ken Ham continues to discuss the importance of why kids were born and raised and are already gone. Uh, first is that parents are not doing their parts in the homes, putting the emphasis on Sunday school teachers. Second, it is that uh, we are not teaching Bible as fact, just telling Bible as stories. If we think about it, our children are in class for a greater part of the day. When our children are in the classroom, they are learning evolution and other theories that are detrimental to the faith as fact. Yet when we teach Bible to our children, we we only present them as stories. In other words, we looked at Noah and the Ark, we tell the story as written in the Bible, but we never present the facts that would prove the story of Noah and the Ark as fact, such as sea life fossils preserved in the mountains, or how words drawn in uh, kanji, a Chinese language, contain the symbol eight for their pictorial words of ship, total, and flood. Personally, early during my undergraduate phase of schooling, I did not want to have anything to do with the church. My attitude was, if these professed Christians are going to heaven, then I'd rather be in hell than in heaven with such hypocrites. I had to keep thinking about my attitude because it just did not sound right. Would I have really desired to go to hell because of someone else's actions? It just did not seem logical. Though it may have been true to an extent, I realized that I had come up with the same excuses as everyone else who had left the church. Once I realized this, I decided that I needed to be the one to be an example for others, so I started living a more godly life. I have known of another brother who, at the age of 14 or 15, defied his parents and refused to go to church, saying that he does not believe anymore. Of course, despite his beliefs in evolution, we all know that it is a way out to do whatever we uh, to do what we want to do so we do not feel nearly as guilty about the sins in our life. So clearly even younger people are becoming more bold in their stance to do what is wrong. This is not to say it was the parents fault that he was a Christian. So how do you handle such a situation? Do you force him to continue to go to church? I'd like to know how you'd answer that. Overall when the world tells you that you've been sheltered from the fun things in this world living in a godly home, you come to believe it and want to get a taste of the sinful lifestyle your friends are consumed in. After all, it's only during high school and college, a small part of your life, so why not have some fun? That was my attitude. Sometimes it is easy to even envy them because they can do so, go so freely out and, do, and sin, and you might feel stuck. I don't believe we can pinpoint any one reason. Essentially, we just have to take the emphasis away from ourselves and put the blame on others for our own sinful, selfish desires. Appreciate Steve for those comments tonight, and for sharing his attitude in the past as to why some would uh, would leave the faith, uh, Anthony. And yeah. uh, you know, if you want to uh, do that, uh, certainly you can find justification by maybe inconsistencies or errors or faults in the lives of others. Yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed. I say, uh, you know, give him a pat on the back for that. I mean, what a what a great story of of turning around his negativity and and realizing. I think he came to the a, a wonderful realization it's not what other people are doing i mean we're all human and there are imperfections right. in in the church but they're human imperfections god's you know plan is is not imperfect all right uh, we make it that way so when we realize that you know, we just need to do right ourselves and and congratulations to him for wanting to be a positive influence we appreciate that and, and his influence on us as well money yeah i think one of the things he pointed out here though he a lot of reasons that it gave had to do here with uh Parents not doing their job at home. Right. And just like in our Bible study we had at the park this week, he was talking a lot about the parents' responsibility in, in teaching our children at home. And there's lots of ways that we can, can mess that up. And, you know, I, I knew a couple one time that blamed, he mentioned uh, leaving their children to the Sunday school teachers. There's the one supposed to teach them. Right. I knew a couple one time they invited us over to their house and uh, for Sunday lunch, and we was eating with them and uh, the the woman in the couple started bashing this other church where they used to attend because their Sunday school teachers didn't do a good job and now all her children had fallen away. And uh, being the kind of person that couldn't keep my mouth shut, I said, well, when I read the Bible, I understand from reading that that it's the parents' responsibility to teach the children. And I said, the Sunday school teachers should have just been icing on the cake. And so like he mentioned in this last letter about blaming somebody else for our own sinful and selfish desires, she said, well... uh, 
Well, Robert was the head of the house, and it was his responsibility to do it, and he was always working all the time, so it's him that failed. I said, well, he was doing what he was supposed to do, was working, but I said he should have come home and seen to it that you had been teaching the, your children what they needed to know, and for some reason they never invited us over to eat anymore. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well you know, and that we can do a whole program on this, but as far as our responsibility to our children, Anthony, it is a, a daunting task, and... Um, one thing that is troubling is the influence of the modern media on our children. I mean, we're just uh, we're exposing our children to these ungodly messages that are bombarding them on a continual basis. Right, uh, and you know, we sort of we don't stop and think. I think we get caught up in in the, the avalanche and in the you know the 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 wave of media and everything. We don't stop and, and pull ourselves back from that. I know we I think we've said on this program before if you. Just try turning off your TV or, or your Internet for a week or, or however long and then turn it back on. Uh, you know, it, it can be shocking what you what you realize when you step away from it. And, uh, yeah, but the, the media is all around us. It's more instant and more, um, you know, all-encompassing than it ever has been. And it's all humanistic and hedonistic and completely, you know, contrary to what the Bible Absolutely. says. Absolutely. So. And uh, Scott mentioned something in his lessons that uh, caught my my attention and and, uh, and caused me to think about. He called it our entertainment society, in which we are under the impression that you've got to be entertained all the time. You've got to have that television on. You've got to have the radio playing. Some, you've got to be entertained 24 hours a day. In just, just a few years uh, before the time we live in now, just... 50 years ago, 75 years, uh, entertainment would have been something that had been very rare. It might have been a special, you know, a festival or something where there may have been a band, and that was just one night out of a year or something. Now it is continual entertainment, and these people that are entertaining us are uh, not godly people, and therefore the influence. But uh, that's a soapbox that we better get off of <laughs> before we go on, because we need to continue to discuss why church attendance membership is in decline. Don and Antioch says, I want to first qualify my response by saying that believing in that uh, by saying that believing it, that he believes in predestination. I fully want believe that the church is the spiritual sense in, in the spiritual sense has been predetermined by God. And there is nothing that man can do to increase or decrease the numbers. Having said that, I believe the main reason there seems to be a decrease in the number of churchgoers is that maybe the numbers are a little more credible today than in the past. Churches in the past have always padded the numbers by double counting and not removing names uh, once on the rolls. Some churchgoers who go from one church to another are counted multiple times. Also, people who slack off or move away to other towns or quit church altogether are many times kept on the rolls due to better methods to measure attendance and more scrutiny as to how they come up with their numbers Perhaps the numbers are not diminishing after all, but are more accurate than before. I do know this. If the numbers are indeed decreasing, it isn't due to stronger preaching. That's for sure. One more comment. I know the numbers are important to many churches from the standpoint of money to pay for the outrageously high preacher salaries, elaborate buildings, gymnasiums, rock concerts, social programs, etc. But if we put the money issue aside, why do the numbers really matter in the first place? Membership isn't a measure of faith. And if there was a method to measure faith, the numbers would really be scary. Well, I would disagree with Don that there is a way to increase or decrease the numbers and that uh, God has not predetermined who he wants to be saved and who he wants to be lost. Uh, Don would say that God decided that he wanted there to be 50 people in the church and there will never be 51 or 49, that it's going to be 50 because God picked John Brown and he picked uh, Jim Smith and he picked... Uh, Betty uh, Johnson, and those people are going to be saved, but everybody else is going to be lost. That simply is not the case. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 tells us that God does want the church to grow, that he wants everyone to be saved, where it says in First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, speaking of God, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants all men to be saved. He wants all men to know the truth and be obedient to it. Don says he doesn't, but the scriptures say otherwise. God does want the church to grow. You know, Second Peter 3, verse 9 says, God is not willing that any should be lost. So if we're just saying, going strictly by what God's will or desire is, then everybody would go to heaven. And since nobody, even people that believe in predestination, believe that everybody's going to heaven, then 
there's a contradiction there, and I don't believe God wants everybody to go, but he don't want this one to go. All right. So for, it's not sensible. Finally, before we go to our break, uh, let's finish up this first question. Why do you think church membership is in decline? Chris in Georgia says there are several reasons membership is in decline. Worldliness, materialism, improper priorities, and the ease of instant and constant information. This is good and bad. Our senses are being bombarded by constant media messages that material goods are the way to happiness. Only kooks are loyal and devoted to an organized religion. Moral people are too judgmental and closed-minded, etc. And those certainly are themes that we're being bombarded with in our society, themes that are influencing and affecting people, sadly, and they can influence and affect us if we're not careful. We'll take a break, get this week's bullet point, and when we get back from the break, we need to keep going on and asking uh, the question, is the church still relevant in our modern world? People tell us, you know, the reason the church is in decline because it just doesn't matter anymore. People... People don't want that organized religion. People are still concerned about God. They're still concerned about being spiritual, but they're just not interested in the church anymore. It's just not that important. It doesn't matter anymore. It was it was an old-fashioned idea. It was important in the past, but now it's not. And so that's why church attendance and membership is in decline. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. If my car is broken down, I must find time to fix it. If the house needs painting, necessity demands that time be found to do it. If the weather and all other conditions are favorable, I will find time to go fishing. All of this simply illustrates what's been said many times before. We find time, make time, arrange our schedules, and do what's necessary so that we can accomplish certain things. We will find a way to do the things that must be done, things that need to be done, and especially the things that we want to do. Think of the implications of this concerning our spiritual service to God. Faithful attendance is a must, Hebrews 10.25. And regular Bible study is a need, 2 Timothy 2.15. Also, teaching others is an absolute essential, Matthew 28.19 and 20. Other acts of service could be added to this list, but our point is established. Now, if we don't do these things, what's the problem? Could it be that we don't understand the commands that God's given? No, I don't think so. Do we fail to see the need for learning more about Him and serving Him faithfully? No, that's not the problem either. Have we failed to observe the things that are spiritually essential? Again, probably not. The answer lies in what we want to do. Sir John Lubbock, English statesman of the last century, said, quote, In truth, people can generally make time for what they choose to do. It is not really the time, but the will that is lacking. Jesus put it this way, quote, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Matthew 15, verse 8. Are you putting the Lord first? Are you making time for the things that must be done, and for the things that need to be done? Do you really want to do the will of the Lord in all things? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we are back, and we are ready to roll with your comments at 877-381-4567. The chat room is busy tonight as well. Where Sharon talks about those who would be failing to attend as they should, Sharon says we should be looking at those setting the right example. Maybe that's what happened in Noah's day. Look at the ones who are faithful in attendance rather than those who aren't there. And that certainly is true. We should do that. Those who are are spiritually mature will be able to do that. But those who are wanting to get involved with the church and wanting to grow, it's going to be a harder hurdle for them to get over the the discouragement of, of those who are not living as they should, and we certainly would not want to do anything that would discourage others from living as they should. And so we've got to make sure that we are dedicated to serving God as we should. Guest 327 says, Apathy and indifference causes us to become lukewarm, just like the Christians at the church at Laodicea, Revelation 3, 14 through 17. And that is often reflected in poor attendance because we do not have the proper priorities. I think that is the case, Anthony, that uh, over time we can just become sort of lukewarm and apathetic. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. We, we touched on that earlier. It kind of threw out the phrase part-time Christian, and it's sort of when it's convenient to us, we'll put God first. But if I've got something else that, that to me is uh, of a worldly nature that is more important at the moment, well, then God takes a back seat. Um, so, and that is 
we're not saying that attendance is the end no. all be all, but in it's fact, a it, barometer. Of, it's a barometer, but I think it is a very insignificant part of our service to the Lord. I, I think attendance, it's 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 probably the last to go as far as you know when when the attendance is gone. That's probably an indication that our we're spiritually dead. But it, I think I think attendance is a very insignificant, and small slice of our life as Christians, and it may be one of the easier things in our lives as Christians to just be able to show up at some place for a few hours a week. Money. When you think about it, say on Sunday, for example, we have roughly three hours of attendance time here at the, at the College View Church building. You know, we have our Bible study period, we have our worship period, and then on Sunday night we have another worship period. There was 21 other hours during that day that we did something with. Right. So that makes those three really a very relatively small percentage of what we've done the rest of the time. So right. attendance is just... You know, say Wednesday, it's one hour out of 24, and then we've got Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday that normally we're not here at all. So the majority of our week is tied up with something else. So attendance is just can be only a small measure of what our real spiritual life is about. And I think I think it is a very small segment of our life, and I think it's a way, it's a huge waste of time. We've got to do it, but I think it's a huge waste of time for us to talk extensively about attendance, to preach about attendance, because that ought to be such a, a fundamental thing. That it ought, that we shouldn't have to waste time with that. There are so many more things that should be more of a challenge, more of a stretch that we need to talk about and focus on. Loving our neighbor as ourselves, uh, serving God uh, totally, those kind of things. This dealing with that—that's that's sort of rudimentary, and we should be beyond that. I think. Right. If we have our if our heart is right, and we're doing those other things that right. you mentioned, the attendance would sort of come Takes naturally. Care of itself. Right. That's right. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Eight seven seven three eight one. Four five six seven. Guest four eighty two says we need to look uh, to the Lord as an example, not our husbands, why our wives. Looking at each other as godly examples, we are all responsible for our own selves. We do need to look to God and His standard. And now to the question: Is the church still relevant in uh, the year twenty twelve? Is uh, is or is that just an old fashioned concept? Guest three twenty seven says the truth is always relevant, and the church with Christ, which Christ purchased with His blood. Acts 20, verse 28, is part of that truth. If the truth is still relevant, then certainly the church is also relevant. And appreciate those comments from uh, our listener tonight. Certainly. Christ died for the church. It is an insult to God and to Christ to say the church is no longer relevant. Right, I agree. I think he makes a great point. If the, if the word is, is, and God's will is still relevant, then you can't, take the church out of that you can't cut that out and say well we'll do you know we'll do everything else but this organized religion thing it's you know it's dated and you know we don't need that we can do everything else you know sort of like buying a computer money you know the sooner as soon as you buy a computer or a cell phone it, the, the moment you buy it the things are out of date you know you you think oh well i wish i hadn't bought that or i wish i'd waited a little while to buy that uh, that thing are we saying that that's the way it was with the church? That God, he, he purchased it with Christ's blood, uh, or Christ purchased it with His blood, and now it's out of date. He sort of he wasted His blood. Well, one would think, since God is the one that we're worshiping and supposed to be looking up to, and, and as we mentioned ago, we're using Jesus as our guidance and not other members of our family or man or whatever. Uh, we can see that in the first century, the church was very important, and it was part of God's plan, and and and, and is part of His the way he wanted things done. So if we're going to decide that the church is not relevant, then we need to be going to the person who established that plan, and he needs to be the one saying, I've changed things now. Uh, it's no longer relevant. Don't worry about it. And I haven't seen any new additions to my Bible, uh, no new messages from God that says we don't need the church anymore. So until I get that, then I'm going to have to understand that in his opinion, is still relevant, and I need to conform my opinions to his, not his to mine. Acts 20, verse 28, uh, Take heed, therefore, to yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, and feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9, and to, make known, uh, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent now that unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The church was a fundamental component of God's eternal purpose and plan to save the world. The church was integral to that. And therefore, if God still wants to save people today, 
He still needs the church to do it, and it is still important and it's still relevant. And that word eternal is a very important word, and we need to grasp and understand the meaning of it. It didn't mean until the year 1950 or to right. the year 1970 or okay. something like that. It means until the year whatever number you got, it's still important. It's eternal. It's forever. It's always okay. important in God's plan. All right, great. And uh, guest 585 says, regarding church relevance, we are to stimulate each other to love and good deeds. Hebrews 10, verse 24. How? Not by forsaking the assembling ourselves together uh, and by encouraging each other. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And so uh, we've got to make sure that we understand that the church is part of God's plan. It is important, and uh, we need to be a part of it. 877-381-4567. and there's some other chatter in there. We'll get to that later. Um, the church certainly is relevant today. Uh, Bob in Indianapolis says the fact that people think it is unimportant doesn't mean that God thinks it's unimportant. Israel thought that being godly was un- it was important uh, through most of the book of uh, Joshua, see the closing chapter, but less unimportant during the period of the judges. They were punished by God because his commands and worship were still important. So God has not changed, in other words, I think is what uh, we're seeing there from Bob. And uh, Bill in Texas says, sure, it's relevant. The church are the saved yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The saving message of our God will not change. And Chris in Georgia says, in the eyes, in the world's eyes, church and religion are, in general are no longer relevant. The world may, and mainly the media, try to persuade uh, that answers lie within science and that science and religion are incompatible. We know this is a false statement. Church has never been more relevant with the speed of information delivery, such as we have, uh, as we have such wonderful opportunities to reach the lost and encourage our brethren around the world, so uh, the church is still relevant. Obviously, uh, that is clear. Well, quickly, guys, we need to get into the final two questions that we ask. What are some some erroneous ways that some have tried to promote church growth? We see that in the world around us. Any examples you want to mention? Well, we see churches trying to get into all sorts of entertainment, whether it's gymnasiums and sports activities, right. or just they, they got the notion that, well, I mean, I heard people say, well, we'll use these things to lure them here, and then when we get them here, we'll teach them about Jesus. Well, it obviously hasn't, if churches are in decline, that notion's not working for them. And so, you know, that's just one idea that I have of ways, of many ways that people have erroneously tried to promote church growth. You, you ever heard of the churches that uh, put a $100 bill underneath the pew? Yeah, I've heard of that. Uh-huh. So, so it depends, you, you want to go and get, get your seat, and then at uh, a certain time you reach under it to see if you're the lucky one. So in effect, that's a church lottery kind of thing. Oh, that or to buy, paying you off for coming, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of gimmicks like that. Yeah, uh, I, I remember grow, I grew up in a, in a denominational uh, group, and, boy, I, every Sunday morning I sure couldn't wait to get my, my donuts. And, you had donuts? Yes, we oh. did. Mm. And, uh, I mean, greasy Deep fried, just dripping with, you know, you needed like five napkins to hold the thing. So you were excited about... I, I like the donuts, yeah. and, and other people did too. So, you know, I mean, I, you know, that's, I'm kind of being a little bit facetious here, but that's a small example. But we've heard, or I've read of uh, churches with coffee shops and right. uh, different things, uh, you know, on the grounds of the, of the so-called church. So... You know, peep, clearly, when we have these mega churches, there are all kinds of things being done to appeal to the to the carnal side of man, and you know it completely misses the point. Obviously, if if we're being drawn in by carnal things, then we're obviously not there to for spiritual reasons. You know, I'm 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 pretty tired uh, of it, and uh, I'm very weary of the fact that so many people are ashamed of the gospel. Think that the gospel has no, uh, uh, you know, real value, such that they have to gimmick it up, and try and and entice people with all of these silly gimmicks, all of this carnality, and uh, focusing on the physical, and then try and maybe slide a little scripture in on the back end, you know, just sort of like, well, you know, you got to get a little bit of this in. It, it's nauseating, really, when you think about it, that people are so uh, ashamed of the gospel or so un impressed by its importance that they've got to do such silly things. You know, the scripture teaches that the gospel is God's power to save. God's the one that's going to save us from our sins, not some neat gimmick that we've got. And so if the gospel is God's power, then that's what we need to be using to get them here. And if they're not interested in coming because of the gospel, then they're not going to stay because of the gimmick. Okay. 
All right. Quickly, before we go to our break, guest 585 says, I risk uh, a digression, but encouraging each other is more than saying good job or hang in there. Barnabas and sticking his neck out uh, to vet Saul of Tarsus and in mentoring John Mark was an exa- excellent example of biblical encouragement. And so it does go farther than just uh, patting each other on the back. Certainly that's part of it, but it does yeah. go farther, as he mentions. And Steve says, uh, while it's important encouraged, but does that mean that attendance is of no effect? Certainly it is of effect. We must, uh, God wants us to be a part and active in a church. And uh, I guess 327, the church is important and relevant because glory is given to God in the church through Christ, Ephesians 3, verse 21. And guess 585 says, attendance of great effect. It is an opportunity to worship and study the Bible corporately. I was glad when they said unto me, as he quotes David here, let us go unto the house of the Lord. And he uh, uh, references Psalm 122, verse 1. We're going to take a break. When we get back, this is this is really the, the important part of the discussion for, to the top of the hour. What can I do to make sure the church grows? What can we do collectively to make sure that the church is growing? We'll take your comments on the other side. Share your thoughts with us tonight so we can know what you think about how we can make sure that the church grows because we all want to see the church grow. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The divorce rate among the religiously unaffiliated is 50%, while that of professed Christians is 41%. Only 39% of those who attend church weekly have been divorced, compared to 60% of professed Christians who seldom or never attend. That data is via the Christian Post. The Word of God says in Malachi chapter 2, beginning verse 15, Take heed then to your spirit, and let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We welcome you back on the program tonight. We remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and come and worship with us. You can find out more information about our meeting times and location by visiting our website. We're talking about why churches are not growing, and uh, we talked about the fact that people are using a lot of these gimmicks, and I missed a comment from Bill in Texas, and here's, the, you guys, This, if it wasn't so sad, it'd make you chuckle. About a year ago, I was down in Corpus Christi, a large denomination, three or 4,000 members, was having a citywide promotion to get people to come to their building. A ticket to a free car was pasted under the pew of one seat, it was widely publicized, and the attention was enormous. The parking lot was full, and cars were in a jam and parked down several streets. Some used bands and famous people to draw crowds. Some denominations center on entertaining, and worshipers have become spectators, not participants. That is amazing. Yes, we was being cheap a minute ago when we talked about a $100 <laughs> yeah, bill under the seat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, who knows? A car, why not? And then uh, Chris in Georgia says uh, they try to make... At a social club, instead of sticking to our three main purposes, which are evangelism, edification, and education, they take the edification portion to levels that were never authorized. And so, again, I, 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 it's amazing the, the way that people are addressing the scriptures and, and uh, trying to gimmick people in. But we'll, we'll save the, for that discussion for a later date, perhaps. Uh, the last thing we want to talk about tonight is what can we do personally and collectively to promote church growth? And... I think, Monty, that uh, the first thing we need to do is stop excusing ourselves by saying that the world that we live in is not conducive to church growth. Because I think back at the first century. I think about what the, the, the climate was in the first century. You had all kinds of religious error. And the church started in, in, the, in the center of that religious area in, area in Jerusalem. You had idolatry. Uh, Paul was preaching to those who were idolatrous. Some of that idolatry included uh, sexual immorality. You had um, 
a hostile government. You had a world that was given to immorality. It was a very ugly and dark picture in the first century, and yet the church grew at exponential rates. So the first thing we need to do is we don't need to excuse ourselves and say, well, the church isn't going to grow because the church can't grow in this climate. The church can grow. What can we do to make sure it does? It seems to me that the reason that the church is not growing is because we're not going out and teaching people. Uh, we're taught throughout the New Testament by command and example to go and teach the lost. But Jesus said to go teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. You know, and he, he said go teach all nations, and so many people today is not really willing to walk across the street to even mention it to their neighbor, not to mention sit down and teach them. And as I think about that, I have to ask myself, why are people not going and teaching? Well, for one thing, it's going to require us getting out of our comfort zone. It's sort of, you know, it's not easy to go out and talk to people and maybe get rejected and get our feelings hurt that way. And maybe one reason where it's, it's something that's out of our comfort zone, for one thing, is because we haven't practiced it. And for another thing, is because we ourselves haven't studied the Bible well enough to know what the Bible says to teach it to our neighbor, not to mention mm-hmm. Anything like that. So really, the reason the church is not growing is because I personally am not totally committed to Christ. I mean, we can all say that it's not growing because we're not doing our job. Uh, maybe some of us is coming closer to doing our job than others, but the the primary reason is because people who call themselves Christians, you know, when we see read the word Christian, the New Testament tells us that disciples were first called Christians. Well, the word disciple has to do with people that follow a particular belief system or a particular teacher's teaching. Well, if we're following Jesus' teaching, uh, Jesus, in his example, went everywhere he went, teaching the gospel. Then we see the people that was directly down from him, went everywhere they went, teaching the gospel. And even when, as we mentioned, the church starting in Jerusalem, when the Christians were being persecuted there, and it talks about how they were scattered, they went everywhere they went, teaching the gospel. People today, they ain't got time to teach the gospel and go somewhere and do that because we've got... My favorite TV, you know, after all these years, Dallas is coming back on, I hear, on some previews. So well, i got to catch up on Dallas. You know, you do? I don't. Oh, that's what don't. people's okay. attitude are. I have no interest in it myself. Okay. But anyway, that's people's attitude. Don't bother me. I've got to watch my favorite show. Don't bother me. I've got to go play golf. Don't bother me. I've got to go hunting or fishing or whatever it is they like to do. Yeah. They don't have time for, to teach the gospel to anybody or to learn it themselves where they can teach it. So it boils down to people aren't willing to do their duty. They can blame it on all these other things, but it boils down to we're not teaching the lost. Anthony? Right. I mean, I think none of us, I don't think any of us can say, check that off the list. You right. know, I, you know, I've spread the gospel. I, I've done all I possibly can in trying to teach others. I mean, no, I don't think any of us can say that. and We're probably way on the other end of the spectrum on that. I know I personally am. So, you know, certainly if, if we want to start pointing fingers, we need to start with ourselves and say, what can I do? You know, who can I talk to? Um, who can I teach? It, it, just invite them to services. I think sometimes we struggle with what to say, but it doesn't necessarily have to be complicated. It can start with a small seed and grow from there. And I think we'll probably talk about the fact that it's our job to to sow the seed. We don't. It, God gives the increase uh, as we read. So, you know, we maybe we get too scared about the outcome, right. the end result, but. Right. But our job isn't necessarily the end result. It's simply the process that we need to be engaged in. You're referencing uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, which says God gives increase. And I agree with that. But we've got, we've got to do our part. We've got to plant that seed so that there can be an increase. But I agree with you. We don't need to worry about the numbers. And that's what Chris in Georgia says. I think the most important thing we can do is stop worrying about numbers of members so much and make our main priority teaching the lost, teaching and encouraging each other to live godly lives, and then the numbers will come. Our job is not to add to the church. It is our job to sow. God takes care of the rest. We should focus our efforts and attention on how, where, and how much we sow the word by sharing the gospel. I read a quote from a motivational speaker one time that said something like this, God gave us the easy job of sowing the seed and watering it. He took the hard part of making it grow. What if we had to make it grow? That would keep us up at night wondering how to do that. And so uh, Chris makes a good point. Let's just do our job and then the results happen as they happen. You know, years ago I was working with a, a network marketing program, and, and network marketing programs are similar, I guess, in some ways to the church. They, your organization grows by uh, encouraging and getting new members in your organization. And it was talking about how to do that, and, and the attitude they tried to teach us to develop was the idea that some will, some won't, so what, next. And so don't worry about the numbers. Some people you talk to are going to, 
be interested in what you've got to say and go along with it. Some people won't. And that's like it talks about here. That's not my job to do that. My job's to sow. So when we understand that some will and some won't, then we just have to go out. Okay, I can't help that what they do with it, but I can go to the next one. Yeah. So it, I don't need to get all worried about the numbers, other than just doing all I can and promoting that growth as much as I can. All right. Uh, and then uh, Bill in Texas says, uh, "Preach the truth of, on, of obedience and make people uncomfortable." A nation who fears God is his people. Uh, we do need to stop watering down the word, Anthony. Uh, we're, the church won't grow. It will be impossible for the church to grow if we're watering down the world, word and soft-pedaling all the issues that God speaks out against. Right, because if we, we may have some numbers, but they're not true it doesn't believers. Do any good. It's not the same. So, no. And I think when we, when we don't focus on simply sowing the seed as best we possibly can and we start worrying about the numbers, that's when we go to these... Uh, worldly things to try to draw people. We start looking outside of God's plan. We feel like we have to help God along yeah. by changing or adding to his message, and that occurs when we start panicking about the numbers. That's right. That's right. And then uh, Bob in Indianapolis says, if those around us don't see it in us, what we say we believe or what we say they should believe will we'll have no effect. Look at the lives of those who promoted church growth in the New Testament. Were they lackadaisical, as we often are in spiritual matters? I've never experienced a living church like the church. Uh, 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 he references one there in Indiana. So many Christians who are knowledgeable, active, and genuinely interested in knowing more and living more godly lives. This includes teaching their families and others and so many young people. One of the few congregations I've seen with a large, young, 20 to 40 population. Uh, and he says that uh, he goes on and talks about that. Uh, but uh, certainly we've got to be active. And that is probably where we ought to end, uh, Monty, is that if the church is going to grow, I've got to grow. That the church can't grow without us as individuals growing uh, to make that happen. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about personal responsibility. I have a personal responsibility to do my part to teach others so that the church can grow. And if I don't do my job, somebody else can't do it for me. That's right. I have a, my responsibility to do, and, and nobody can do that for me. All right. Guest 327 says, I must be willing to use the ability I have to serve the Lord to work in his kingdom and quit making excuses. Remember the parable of the talents in uh, John, uh, uh, the, the 5, 2, and 1 talent man, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. The one talent man's excuse was not accepted by the master. And so it's time to get to work and using our talents. Right, and the good thing about that is, that, you know, the, the respondent mentioned the church that just seemed to be so full of life, and it's right. the point there is it's contagious. When we start to do these things, and other people see that, and and they want to do it too, so it's a contagious type of thing. So if we can do uh, do better to sow the seed and and to be more of a servant and worker in the kingdom, then others will see that and follow suit. Guest five eighty five says we are to be the light of the world. The light of the world. Uh, the salt of the earth and the light of the world, a city set on the hill, Matthew 14, verse 5, verse 14. People are watching to see if we walk the uh, walk and talk the talk and will be impacted for better or worse based upon our conduct. And certainly that is the case. Well, guys, we've had a good discussion tonight. The church uh, may be in decline, but it doesn't have to be. It can grow. And it's only going to grow if we are diligent in doing our part and growing ourselves. Yep. That's exactly right. Right. All right. Thank you for being here tonight, uh, Anthony. Yeah, hey, thanks for having discussion. me. Monty, thank you for being here. Glad to be here. And uh, thank you uh, to Dan, our guest uh, operator behind the boards uh, tonight. A very job very well done. We appreciate you for being here. And we appreciate you for joining us on the program. We will remind you that if you'd like to listen to the special series of lessons on parenting, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, or if you know any parents, you ought to listen to those lessons. And they are podcast. will be podcasted tonight at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to that podcast and get those lessons. You think We think you'll be benefited from listening to those. We hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.